today on Ag News Daily. I think we can sit back, we can hold on for a little bit, not necessarily jump at every 10, 11 cent rally like what we saw on Monday. I, I think over time, we do have the opportunity for funds to cover, for the markets to move higher and give us a better selling opportunity this winter and early spring. Well, here we are, listeners. Monday, a Market Monday episode, January 22nd, 2022. Tanner and Delaney hanging out virtually together, but excited because we're going to be in person together tomorrow. Well, do, do you want to tell everybody your big news, Tanner? We are, I, I think we can say the studio for Farm for Profit is done. But just like anybody knows with remodeling projects, are you ever really done? I don't think so. I feel like yeah. this house projects have been ongoing, so I can only imagine doing a commercial space right now. So yes, we we, uh, we have a functional space in Slater, Iowa. So if anybody wants to start their own podcast or give away some interesting opportunities, uh, give us a reach out. That's a good way to put it. Yes, a functional studio. That's correct. Hopefully our listeners will still be able to function this week when much of them have some bad weather headed their way. Of course, some of that weather is going to be determined by the temperature, but we have ice storm warnings in effect for a lot of our listener base. We'll start up there in the Indiana, Illinois area through tonight into tomorrow evening. They will have precipitation. Obviously, the temperature will determine if that comes as rain or if that comes as freezing rain. Parts of northwestern Arkansas and a few counties of Oklahoma, southern Missouri, and other areas in the central Midwest or central South could see significant icing as they are expected to get up to a half inch of accumulations. This will be hampered also by wind gusts of up to 15 to 20 miles per hour. Numerous power outages are to be expected. So if you've got livestock, this would be a good time to make sure your generator runs. There are other winter storm warnings for parts of central Oklahoma and as well as parts of the Midwest. It'll be interesting to see what the warm-up does in other parts of the area. Iowa, Nebraska, South Dakota are looking to see above normal temperatures this week. That should cause a significant amount of melting, which might lead to some future flood watches. There are no flood watches in effect now, but that's certainly something we're going to keep an eye on. Well, hopefully it's some warmer weather for those folks that are in Salt Lake City this week, Tanner, for the American Farm Bureau Federation's annual conference. President Zippy Duvall kicked off the convention this week in Salt Lake City with some big remarks about different things that they needed to be focused on here in 2024. But he said the biggest problem of all facing agriculture is the lack of labor. He specifically remarked on Congress and their work ahead of them that they needed to reform the guest worker program to be able to ensure that there are enough workers in farm country to produce America's food. That was shared during some of his opening remarks on Sunday. And he said that's the biggest limiting factor right now for rural America, rural America is labor. He said we recognize that the political environment is difficult in Washington, D.C. right now, but the reform of H-2A visa programs and seasonal workers needs to be a top priority for agriculture and for Congress. He spoke on a couple of different issues, including outside of labor, Proposition 12, and the year ahead. But he said the biggest thing, nonetheless, Tanner, is labor. So those were some good remarks there from Zippy. 
Yeah, I think they've hit the nail on the head there. It's obviously going to be an ongoing issue as administrations change. We did see an announcement yesterday that ADM has appointed Ishmael Roig as their interim chief financial officer. This is following the board of directors placing Vikram Luther, uh, the previous chief financial officer, on administrative leave. Luther's leave is pending an ongoing investigation that's being conducted by outside counsel for ADM and the board's audit committee. The investigation is in response to receiving a document from the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission, the SEC, specifically requests review of accounting practices and procedures in regards to ADM Nutrition's department, especially reporting these matters are taken very seriously, says current CEO and board director. Pending outcome of this investigation will determine if Mr. Luther will remain on administrative leave or if he'll return to his position. ADM states they put financial governance and best practices at the top of their priorities, and they are cooperating with the SEC throughout the entire audit, as well as involving that third-party audit committee. Any future updates will come as press releases and will be further disclosed down the road. So they will delay it's their earnings release that was supposed to be in a press conference this week for their full 2023 financial results. When those come about, Delaney, we'll share them with our listeners. Absolutely, Tanner. Well, one thing we can share with our listeners is the government shutdown has been avoided once again, just in time with another stopgap bill to fund the federal government through early March. That was approved just prior to the deadline on Friday afternoon. And we'll go through another six weeks of funding here. It essentially kicks the can down the road once again, as both sides of Congress are trying to come up with an agreement to fully fund the government. But regardless, they're saying it was still a positive outcome that they were able to pass the stopgap mill stopgap bill as well well as 12 appropriation bills before the new deadline, which allows the market to put the U.S. political risks on the back burner once again until we get back to that March deadline, Tanner. Well, more headlines coming out of Salt Lake City. The Farm Bureau has stated that they have a partner in the Family Farm Wellness Alliance and Ad Council to put mental health initiatives at the top of their forefront for this year. Again, Zephy Duvall made this as part of his announcement. This new peer-to-peer support tool will address the mental health and wellness needs of the ag community. This partnership with the Family Farm Wellness Alliance will provide services free to farm families across the country. We're also launching a mental health campaign this year with the Ad Council, focusing on the mental health in rural counties of America. This campaign will include testimonials from Farm Bureau members themselves. These initiatives will be intended to supplement Farm Bureau's State of Mind platform, which aims at assisting farmers that are struggling with mental wellness. According to their data, suicides rates among farmers are still up five times higher than the national average. Even though farming is tough, it can have good days and bad days, says Zippy Duval. This has become a new main focus of them in 2024. So I'm sure we're going to get more details from that later. I think we will as well, Tanner. I uh, didn't realize it was in Salt Lake City this year, but that would have been an interesting location to be at for AFBF. I think it would have been fun. Maybe next year. Hopefully they're going let's, somewhere else fun. 
Let's do it. <laughs> While agricultural and environmental groups have asked the federal government to investigate Cook Industries' planned $3.6 billion acquisition of OCI Global's Iowa Fertilizer Company, they expressed concerns over the transaction that it would further concentrate the fertilizer industry. Back in December, Cook announced the planned acquisition in a news release saying that it would have 100% ownership of the facility located along the Mississippi River in southeast Iowa, the town of Weaver. The plant opened back in 2017 and has the capacity to produce about 3.5 million metric tons of nitrogen fertilizers and diesel exhaust fluid annually. But after called into question here whether or not this acquisition should go through, quite a few groups have said that it further consolidates the fertilizer industry and have asked multiple government agencies at the federal level to step in here and do some evaluations before this acquisition does go fully through. The transaction is expected to result in a reduction in holding company net debt and deliver a capital return to shareholders, according to their release. And the deal also enables OCI to explore other new opportunities in the energy transition space. But the OCI company that is in question here has been uh, built in the United States and been running for more than 25 years, Tanner. So we'll see if the Department of Justice or others step in here with this potential consolidation move by Cook Industries and others. I remember reporting on that headline when that news release came about. So it'll be interesting to see if it is able to go through. Ag, ban Ag bankers said in the Federal Reserve survey that their volume of new non-real estate loans was 15% lower during the final quarter of 2023 compared to the final quarter of 2022. For the first time since 2001, interest rates, however, rose faster than that of farmland values, creating potential obstacles for those trying to make land purchases. Ty Crittman of the Kansas City Federal Reserve said, with interest costs now above average, land value appreciation figures, farm operating profits will determine the magnitude of those being able to get financed for land. Although growth in farmland values still held firm in 2023, interest rates themselves just climbed a little bit higher. So my last headline for today is just an update on Russia, Ukraine. Russia and Ukraine ex exchanged retaliatory strikes over the weekend. After another Russian oil terminal was attacked on Sunday, Russians occupied the city of Donetsk in the ninth Ukraine, Ukrainian region. Moscow accused Kiev of launching missiles on a strike at that city, killing 25 people, wounding 20 others, but ultimately creating a blockade or a at least destruction of the facility to move those materials along. Ukrainian armed forces state that they are denying that they had any effect with this combat operation and the destruction that was made. But even there, there was still more retaliation. There was fire that broke out at a terminal of one of Russia's largest liquefied natural gases, gas production facilities near the Baltic Sea. Regional officials there state that this terminal had also been targeted in the recent days. Meanwhile, President Zelensky says that Russian forces shelled in all of their nine regions of the country on Sunday in retaliation. So a little update there to wrap up my headlines for today. I think I am out of headlines here. 
Tanner, as we dig into the market section, other than tensions are also continuing to grow in the Middle East with Pakistan looking to carry out some retaliatory airstrikes with Iranian borders. Thursday and Friday into the weekend, it looks like Iran continued to uh, pull airstrikes on Pakistan borders, and that tension continues to rise as well with the Red Sea region and just ongoing concerns of what's going to happen with the shipping costs, and also goods that go through that area. But as we take a look at the markets here, wrapping up today's closing session, we saw corn trade unchanged to finish the day. Flirting with neutral here, March corn closed at 4.45 and three quarters. Taking a look at the soybean pits today, they had some pretty good moves on the board. March corn today, up 10.5 cents at 12.23 and three quarters. Wheat, Chicago wheat here today closed a penny and three quarters cent higher at 5.95. March winter wheat down two and three quarters cents at 6.05 and three quarters. And March spring wheat added two and a half cents today to close at 6.98. Dinner as we take a look at the livestock markets and where they close today. Saw a little bit of weakness here as the February live cattle contract shed 60 cents to close at a buck 73.77. March feeder cattle shed 67 and a half cents to close at 231.27 and February lean hogs added 17 and a half cents today to close at 70.92. Dinner we're chatting with Darren Newsom for today's Market Monday conversation so let's turn it over. Well, folks, we are super excited today to be chatting with Darren Newsom, senior market analyst for Bar Chart. Darren, been a little while since we've had you on, but welcome back. Yeah, thanks for having me on again, Delaney. It has been a while. It has been. I feel like there have been a lot of big events that have happened since we last spoke, uh, certainly none of which you know I'm sure have been impacting the markets today. But as we look at current markets here today, we saw corn flirting with neutral to close <laughs> out our market Monday uh, afternoon here. What was going on in the corn markets today? I like the way you put that, flirting with neutral. Uh, what was going on? Absolutely nothing. In fact, you know, the only thing that I could think of is that it was a snail race today to see either March corn or March soybeans, which one, you know, initially it was, was one of them going to get 70,000 contracts of trade volume. That kind of came and went late in the afternoon. And so then, okay, is, is either of them going to get to 100,000 contracts? And as it turned out, no, they did not. So, there was nothing going on today. I think, you know, the, the biggest question is, as we look at soybeans and we see that March gained ground on May, which gained ground on July, are we finally starting to see some of that commercial buying coming in? Was there some activity, was there some export demand activity as the day progressed? Or was this simply funds covering short positions because there's a you know the last friday cftc report commitment to traders and again as you know the only one i look at is legacy futures only we we saw where in in the soybean market funds had added 55,000 about 55,620 contracts to their net short in one week's time as of a week ago tuesday this pushed it down to 93,670 contracts so it is a substantial net short with fun, with fundamentals of the market not bearish so you know to me that was the most interesting aspect of the day what was going on in the soybean market as for corn absolutely nothing happened 
we'll see what we'll see what goes on the rest of the week. So is that those short positions, is that the mentality from those investors of a bearish market or are they preparing for a different change? I th that's a great question, Tanner. I think, you know, when we look at soybeans, number one, it, it's fundamentally, it's not a bearish market yet. You know, they're, they're really pushing the, they're really pushing the boundaries here. Or they're approaching the, the record net short position. Uh, but soybeans aren't bullish either. Uh, we can see that in the way the cash market has acted and what the cash market's telling us about available stocks to use running close to 10% right now. So to me, again, what the most bullish factor for the grain sector as a whole is, is this short position, is this net short position. Because with stock markets going to new all-time highs, that's going to start attracting investment money. So They've run the race here with, uh, you know, they, they've run the race with the grain markets. You know, we've been bullish fundamentals. We've been bearish fundamentals. And now there's really nothing new to, to get excited about. So to me, the most bullish factor here is if they start getting out, if they start covering those positions with no fundamental change in the market, just so that they can move it over into a more exciting or more dynamic market sector, then that could lift. You know, that could lift soybeans. It could lift corn, possibly lift Chicago wheat as well. Hey Darren, let's talk a little bit more about wheat today because Chicago closed higher on the board, uh, hard red winter wheat closed lower. And then as we look at spring wheat, that closed higher. So we've seen some different dynamics here in the wheat complex. But as a whole, where's most of the attention being placed right now for the wheat complex? Right now it's in Chicago. Um, again, just like with corn and soybeans, funds have a, have a sizable net short, but They've got room to add to it if they want to. But the thing is, why why would anybody purposely choose to trade wheat right now? If you've made your money on the downside and you know on, on the bearish side, and, and you see all of these other market sectors that look like you know they're getting ready to take off, you've got some fundamental possibility, you've got some long-term investment possibility. Why would you stay in the wheat market? And so, you know, right now, again, that's what it looked like to me today. I'm not sure that it was, you know, the market was overwhelmed by this you know, new commercial buying or something like that. But to me, it would look, look to be, uh, it looked to be fund short covering. So again, we'll see how all this plays out over the coming days. Uh, but in the Kansas City market, it's a bit more interesting. You know, as we look at soil moisture anomaly maps and, and looked at the weekly updates on those, uh, we see where most of the Southern Plains has moved out of any, you know, real drought situation. So, you know, we know that what whatever was planted out there, and we don't really know acres. We know what we were told, but we don't really know acres. Uh, but what it looks like is, you know, the 2024 crop has plenty of uh, plenty of moisture at least right now, and we're in the middle of winter. Uh, we've got time to go before you know everything comes out of dormancy, uh, before you know market gets more interesting, and all of these other things as we go into spring and summer. But for right now, there seems to be plenty of moisture better conditions across the U.S. Southern Plains hardwood winter. And that seems to be what traders are looking at. Right. So that weather is something Delaney and I've talked about. Obviously, we know there might be some ice storms on the way mm -hmm. and could potentially provide some issues there. But what about South American weather? Has that kind of just been in a, a standard pattern and why we don't have a lot of new news? I, I think it's pretty much accepted. You know, those rains that we saw starting in mid-December and have continued, you know, mid-December would be the equivalent of mid-June in North America. So it took a lot of the concern out of the market 
particularly when we're, we're talking about soybeans and then, you know, the precipitation that uh, Brazil did get, you know, it set a better stage or a better planting situation for the safrina or the second corn crop. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to say it's not an issue right now, but it seems to have been, you know, all of the worry, all of the threat, all of this and all of that seems to have been pushed to the back burner, seems to have been pushed off center stage at this point. And now it comes down to where's the demand for U.S. supplies? It's non-existent, particularly in soybeans. Um, and that's the real concern, because even if Brazil has lower production this year, lower than what was expected, and the U.S. had lower production than what was expected, again, we knew acres were going to be smaller going back to last February. So if we've got all of this, why does the cash index still show that available stocks to use is growing larger, is growing as large as it has over the last three to four years? Because... There's no demand. There might be smaller supplies, but there's no demand for U.S. supplies at this point. So whatever whatever Brazil has looks like it's going to be enough to meet the world's largest buyers demands, at least the majority of it. Darren, as we look at some of the outside markets here and what's going on in the Suez Canal, Black Sea region, how is that playing out on some of the other outside markets right now? It, you know, everyone, folks are keeping a close eye on it. It's certainly true, but it doesn't really seem to be changing much. I think we can kind of watch it mostly in, say, the energy sector, where we get these big swings uh, in markets. And let's set, you know, the, the always insane natural gas aside for the moment. Uh, but if we look at crude oil and something, you know, both Brent and West Texas Intermediate, and we see the wild swings in those markets, uh, you know, and they were posting strong gains again today, it certainly seems to be where at least the Red Sea and, and Suez Canal and, and some of these things are, are some, this is where it's being registered. Um, but again, this is also seasonal, you know, from what mid-December through early June, early July, the, the energy complex as a whole tends to rally because we see demand picking up. We see, you know, production picking up. We see all of these things happening year in and year out. So, you know, the fact that we've, we've got trouble overseas, you know, geopolitical problems here, there, and everywhere, uh, it's, I think it's more just standard operating procedure. So yes, traders are taking a look at it. Yes, they're certainly keeping track of it. But by and large, I just don't see it having a playing a major role, at least not at this time. So if we've got listeners that still have bushels to move, bushels to sell, what do you think is some of their best bets here going forward? I think the best bet is to see if we get some sort of rally tied to short covering, because I think that, again, that's the most bullish factor these markets have. And I'll, and I'll temper that a little bit with deferred soybean spreads. The May-July spread is still bullish, and it grew a little bit more so today. So you know, if I've got some old crop soybeans and I know funds are holding in net short and future spreads are still bullish, it's what I like to call a rubber band disposition. You can stretch that rubber band only so far, the divergence be to, between these two groups. Sooner or later, that rubber band's going to snap and the market's going to work back to the fundamentals. If they're still bullish, gives us a better chance for the market to rally. So I think we can sit back, we can hold on for a little bit, not necessarily jump at every 10, 11 cent rally like what we saw on Monday. Uh, certainly we could be back down on Tuesday, but I, I think over time we do have the opportunity for funds to cover, for the markets to move higher and give us a better selling opportunity this winter and early spring. Darren, before we let you go, if anyone has questions or things we did not get to today, where is the best place to go to find you? 
easiest place to go to find me is uh, you can reach me through bar chart barchart.com go to my go to my author page there uh, but you can also go to my website darrennewsome.com uh, you can take a look around uh, there as well you can certainly get in, in touch with me through that so either place certainly easy to get in touch with me fantastic darren well thanks again for joining us today appreciate your time as always well thanks again for having me on well, there you go, Delaney, another Market Monday conversation. Good to be back. Hadn't had one of those in a week or so. So thanks again for Darren to hanging out with us. The listeners will be back again tomorrow. So what do you say, Delaney? Should we let them go? Let's let them go.